We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. So a very famous poem by Langston Hughes that actually kind of kicked off his career. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, didn't he write this when he was like 15 or something? Mm-hmm. when he was 17 and like literally he was crossing the Mississippi River and just wrote it like down in like 10-15 minutes like no big deal and, and submits <sighs> it and, and and you know oh my gosh like J- Jesse Redmond Fawcett's like sitting here reading it just like oh my gosh I just discovered like a master writer how do we not know him like hey Du Bois come here you gotta read this like, <laughs> like it's just an incredible way to discover w- one of the greatest writers that have ever lived right that's when you know somebody has talent because side note what were you and I doing at 17 that's anything remarkable or notable that somebody would speak about decades later? No, I didn't do anything important at 17. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing but stuff that was very valuable to me and my best friend, right? So that's about it. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. It just it just proves of how he is an, a, a master writer. I love it. Right. So let me do a quick reading of this and let's just kind of talk through this. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans and I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient, dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. Oof, so many things. Where, where do we start? <laughs> with the symbolism, I guess? I mean, that's the most obvious. Maybe we start with the speaker, right? Like, I've known rivers, I've seen... He basically claims to have seen the dawn of time, to have seen the pyramids built, and to have seen Abe Lincoln basically give the shouts over the New Orleans. Um, has anyone been alive that long? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. I think that what I felt like he was trying to do was connect the ancestry of great nations evolving through time, being at the Congo, the Nile, the Euphrates, the Mississippi. These were all you know, bastions of civilization that have changed or influenced humankind throughout all time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well i think the um, correct me if i'm wrong but euphrates like that is kind of considered where humankind probably started is is that what you gathered yeah it's one of the theories that either somewhere in africa uh, or somewhere along euphrates early human civilizations began uh and that's you know, cradle of life is the term sometimes thrown around. Yeah. Like, like they, they, there's even like, um, city of Babylon, right. Allegedly to have. Yeah. Yeah. So next is the Congo. It's like the second largest river in Africa. Is that right? 
yeah, I mean, because the Nile is technically in Africa, even though, you know, it's not really part of the African, you know, culture and area. Yeah, that, I, I believe Congo is second. But it, it's important regardless. And we see how he, he builds his hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. Right. So it's like we we have peace here. We have we have belonging. We have security, which is, you know, if you look at that hierarchy of needs is the most important part. Right. You you start civilizations, you find security. Right. And only after that do we start building off of that. And they and, and you know, from a tale of ancestry, they have that here in Africa and in the Congo era, basically. See, I, I feel like one thing that he's trying to connect maybe between these civilizations is Langston Hughes's race throughout time, if if the cradle of life is Africa, moving along the Congo, the Nile, and the Euphrates, and then eventually, you know, uh, slaves being taken from Africa to the Americas, you know, and, and used um, as slaves in the south along the Mississippi River. I feel like this is kind of this connection between all of these ancestral peoples along these waterways that have given birth to all these different African you know, civilizations and beyond. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think your, your next line here about the Nile, right? You, I think you mentioned that that was the longest, but that's where we have the pyramids being raised. And we all know that basically the Egyptians used the Africans as slaves to build a lot of the pyramids, right? And that's where we start to, from a Langston Hughes uh, perspective of when he's writing this, he wrote about race relationships a lot. And, struggling with dealing with the the outfall of slavery in America from when when he was living of a lot of oh gosh how do, how do you summarize slavery you can't uh, I don't I don't think it's possible I think the poem kind of does a good job of that right of the connecting the connectivity of all of this and then that imagery and the water itself, the muddy water, the golden Mississippi, these words evoke powerful emotions. And I, I think, uh, you know, a picture in my mind of what does that really mean to somebody if you're on, you know, the river, it's moving, it's taking you places, it's changing your life. And these things have changed lives throughout all time. And especially at the end there with Lincoln, you know, changing America forever, changing, you know, uh, the lives of, 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 you know, the, the, the former slaves forever. That that's very powerful. Yeah. I think the last line the, the my soul has grown deep like the rivers, right? It's not like it's not like slavery, slavery was ended. And it's like, okay, we, we, we ended it like we're we're past it now, right? Like there, there was a legacy that we had to deal with. And when I say we, what do I mean? I mean, America as a whole, uh, both, both white people, both black people, uh, and any person of color, I guess I should say, who has experienced a lot of xenophobia or prejudice activities and, uh, our feelings to us, you know, aimed at them that there was, there was a big story here in terms of the legacy that slavery created. And it created this marginalized uh, difference between power and, and, and not power and not having the resources and being denied a lot of the things. And the fact that, that, that we view that the, the river, when we look at it at a point in time, wasn't created there. It's not like a single drop creates a river. It's the constant beads of water constantly moving, you know, through erosion and through rocks, you know, changing the layout of which way the water flows 
that it's it's the thousands of souls before you that created the river of life that mm. that's what he sees when he looks at the mississippi river you know to look at your heritage to look at you know the hundreds of thousands of people that have gone through things very painful and hard things to have created you, to have created you as someone now experiencing this river being pushed along is something that I think we can all feel in some regards, obviously on very different levels. I'm not saying we can all relate to slavery, but we can all relate to that feel that power of being swept up where you, you don't even know how you ended up here sometimes, right? It's all the decisions before you that pushed you in this direction. As we move now into, I guess, a little more free, open interpretation of the poem itself, when I read the poem the first time, to me, the imagery spoke of change, of hope. Uh, I thought about, you know, rivers are unknown journeys. You know, they form their own paths. Uh, I thought about water itself, you know, birth, rebirth, cleansing. It's, uh, you know, needed for life and sustenance. There's just so much there. And then I did a little bit of digging and reading on the poem, and some people kind of went in the opposite direction. And I guess the poem itself is going to be like anything. You're going to get out of it what you put into it and your own personal kind of viewpoints. Uh, but I've seen people think of this as more like uh, the death of one culture and then the birth of another, uh, you know, the, the death of the African culture when the, the slaves are brought over, the death of, you know, uh, the Egyptian culture as they move from the Nile, the death of, you know, the Sumerians along the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers, uh, that there there is like a lot of death to this. But I guess for me, I look of the positivity and change as we move forward that this winding river is going to take us to new and better places. Yeah, to me, it's it's perhaps accepting the past too, not turning a blind eye to how we ended up where we are. Uh, you know, moving into super subjective things, it's kind of interesting. But I spent the last two weeks in Ireland, as every, you know, a lot of the followers of this channel know, and I was going up and down the streets of Cork because there's like this beautiful little street that just kind of winds through town. It's very strange. It's like cobble road. It's just a very beautiful, but kind of weird area. It's like very broad, you know, in Europe tends to be very smaller, uh, in street size in terms of, you know, the, the urban areas. And I didn't learn until one of the last days when I was leaving the Cork area, they're like, you know, this used to be a waterway. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, that used to be the door where the boats got let out. That was up there. That was where you entered into the house. They filled in this entire, this entire street was a river and they filled it in with concrete and diverted the river, the river Lee, a different direction and made this like a commerce street so that people could cross and live upon it. And I think that's, I didn't even plan to talk about it, but I think that's kind of part of what this poem speaks to is that we can change currents. We can change, make big changes, maybe not at once, but through continued efforts to improve the living circumstances, perhaps where we don't appreciate with how they are today. And I think that that gives me a kind of like a hopeful note too, that, that there's always a chance to change. As you said earlier, rivers don't always look the exact same way that they do today over time with erosion, with the way the water flows and curbs and ebbs, that there can be improvements made. And hopefully we take those steps to make it into a, a place that is, that is better and serves us better as peoples. 
you can change the river and the river can change you. Ooh, I like that. We should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll leave a playlist link down below of other Langston Hughes talks. What other Langston Hughes poems or stories would you want to see us cover next? My name's been Una. Look forward to hearing from you. Peace. Peace. <laughs>